In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19, verse 14. Good morning, well, and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McMinney, and I'm going to be bringing you homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God dwells in every nook and cranny. At least we try to remember that, especially now that we're getting ready for selling. Here, life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes verging on the frantic. Each week, I cajole and tempt a member of the public to join me for part of the show. I'd ply them with cakes and coffee if we weren't all things digital, but they come and chat anyway. And we talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. Yes, that's my English accent you're hearing. Though I have lived in the Lone Star State half my life, I cannot shake the Oxford drawl. After the first break, Norma Wilt will be joining me as a veteran teacher in the public schools and author of a book challenging all of us to bring about changes in a system that turns out illiterates. I'm an hour later now. High noon is my new time, and it gives me an extra hour to potter around so I can start my weekend as soon as I say goodbye to you. But we're not saying goodbye yet. I've only just begun. That's a great song by Karen Carpenter, and now you're going to have it singing in your head for the rest of the show. It's time. I've had my 11s while you weren't listening, and I'm all set for an hour with you. So grab your nice hot cup of tea, coffee, or chocolate, and let me enthrall you with words about the homeschooling lifestyle that never leaves, making bingo cards, entertaining a deaf dog, and our windy weather. Are we in Chicago? The weather. I have to chat it up a bit, although I promise not to do this every week. It's been quite remarkable. I office in this glassed-in extension on the back of the house that persuades me to believe I'm outside. I see, feel, and hear it. The other day was raining, and I'm out here with the tin roof reverberating with drops of water that are thunderous and render my yoga gurus mute. Well, my gurus continue talking. It's my ears that are overwhelmed by loud patterings, and they block out their calming instructions, which is frustrating to say the least. I've said it reminds me pleasantly of holidays taken in a caravan, but really... This gets so bad at times. Forget talking on the phone, which I don't do anyway, so forgotten. This week, I've seen the weather run the full gamut of its talons. If it's not rainy, the day wakes up bright and early with a mist lying over the back 40. Ethereal and mysterious. Will the mist rise and reveal a sunshiny sky? Will it just rise and blend with the cloud cover? 
My blue-eyed cowboy tries to forecast the weather for me, saying, it's supposed to get up in the 70s today, but I brush his informed prophecy off to wait and see. We never know what natural Texas has in store for us. Two days this week, the birds have managed to call forth the sun for a good 12 hours, and I've flung open the windows, switched off the heat, and put the kettle on. As if these three versions of weather weren't enough for one week, a gust of Chicagoan bluster was thrown in for our senses to enjoy. Any leaves that may have been left over in the trees from autumn fell heavily into our sparkling pool. The gale force winds rounded up the decomposing leaves that were under our flower beds and in our bushes, and well, under our bushes and in our flower beds, and um, deposited them swirling away in the corner of my patio and my doorstep. And then on turning corners during my daily walks at random places, I was all but thrown to the ground with a sudden force of pent-up air from an alleyway or sheltering building. So really, we got an onslaught of wind here. Um, added to that, the other morning when it was pouring with rain, there was a little break in the rain, and we got sleet. So... We're going from 70, degree, 70 degrees on one day to 30 degrees on another. And my final countdown for the week on weather conditions here at my house, we had sun, we had rain, we had fog, we had sleet, and we had high winds. And today is just cold, really cold. I really should move to Florida or California. More consistency in the climate department there. However... We can, talking about consistency, be consistent in our homeschools. And my guest last week, Stephen Horridge, was determined that all parents should be able to homeschool if they choose to use his model of joining with like families and pooling their talents. His website, Connect the Thoughts, is a curriculum that's written for mums and dads at home to teach their children from the age of five onwards and his resources are boundless if you care to go visit his site if you listened he'll hear his utter disdain for institutional schools and last night i was watching a preview for a film and i heard one of the characters a teacher in wales say doesn't anyone want to find out what each of these children are really good at administrations don't care some teachers do and they end up disillusioned, but chin up, they can always leave their jobs and homeschool their own children. Although the financial gain isn't as good, the rewards are unimaginable. My guest this week continues in the same frame of thought and will be talking about her experiences in the public school and what she suggests should happen to make the system work for our children and the taxpayer. When my sons were admitted into the gifted and talented programs at the Garland Magnet School system near where we live, the effect it had on me when I was told that my child was brilliant baffled me, and I soon saw the battle for the bottom line played out at the expense of my offspring. For some reason, beyond my present comprehension, I found myself pushing my firstborn to achieve, achieve, achieve. I completely zoned out the fact that he had done well before the advent of grading and testing in his short life. So why was I pressuring him now? Is this a trap set by the schools to breed competitiveness in order to get the best scores for the bottom line? I'm now thinking, yes. Does this mania to surpass and positively glow get handed down from teacher to parent completely bypassing the student? My seven-year-old at the time appeared unaffected by the race his teachers and I had entered him in. I wasn't. I would have willingly run it for him if I had half the chance. Instead, I just stood on the sidelines and egged him on mercilessly, and with each step I saw his 
precious childhood melting away. This was not me at all. I'm a non-competitive person at heart, or so I thought until the G&T label attached itself like those leeches I was talking about some weeks ago. I was lucky, though. One short year later, I met my well-heeled stranger and began the road to homeschooling. Otherwise, I would have condemned us all to a life of, he should be doing better, and by God, if I have anything to do with it, he will be. Wow. Hallelujah for corporate America and my reasons for bringing all the troops home before the children I loved went missing in action in their public schools. In England, G&T is a gin and tonic, and so it should remain. Perhaps I would have benefited from one or two of them during my phase of my development when I was, oh, I don't know, caught up with the, the school system and all their expectations. And really, I should have chillaxed. But as a parent, do you often wonder if your words fall on deaf ears with your children? Take heart. They don't, because I know I'm sometimes floored by a phrase or a comment my mother may have used when I was young, which I brushed off as silly, but now find to be true pearls of wisdom. For example, and I have to give an example because I get exasperated when people make an observation and then don't back it up with an example. So, for example, my mother always said, have no regrets. She claims to have regretted nothing she had done in her life. I put it down to her stubborn Toran qualities that she'd never admit to making mistakes. But I also know she was careful with her actions and weighed each decision before she committed to it. I also tended to go through my life with this no-regret bullish attitude too. It suited my personality. After having children and raising them somewhat into adults, I won't say upstanding, clear-thinking adults. They have a few more years to go before they reach that status. I have a greater understanding, though, of the phrase, have no regrets. Whether my mother fully expanded on what she meant by her words or not is neither here or there. I formulated my own interpretation as I trudged through my life and after lots of conversations with all sorts of people. This is what I came up with. Meet most of whom you know, including yourself, where they are today. I've shared this with you before, haven't I? You are exactly where God wants you to be now. So where does regret fit into that scenario? My son asked me this week what exactly I meant by that, the meeting somebody where they are. And I told him about a professor guest of mine who taught at a school for troubled teens who had very challenging pasts. And the most remarkable thing about it was that the staff were not given any background information on these children. The staff had no choice but to move forward with the kids and treat them positively and with love and encouragement without making any preconceived value judgments. Of course, if the students wanted to, they could share their past with the, with the staff. And this is what God does with us, and he knows our pasts. And we know our children's pasts too, so we have to consciously meet them where they are and move on and not judge them at every crossroad. Back to the words falling on deaf ears. In the Bible, I read, my word that goes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Isaiah 55. Our words, like my mother's, will increase and burst into song and clap their hands. Eventually, we must be patient and trust in ourselves and believe God's promise that the words we share with our children today are not futile and will eventually achieve their purpose. 
It happened to me when I poo-pooed my mother's words all those years ago. And sort of talking of taking control and wanting to change what has gone before, we all know that's impossible too. So this little prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, is a great prayer. When you have done something that you regret, don't regret it. You can't do anything about it except learn from it. Move forward. You can't go back and change anything that's gone in the past. So we need to live one day at a time, enjoy one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. So taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. And that is Reinhold Niebuhr. And it's his serenity prayer. And I have to go on a break. do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Get ready for resources, tools, and support to help you build a successful business and live an awesome life. It's the Women's Business Success Show with your host, founder of the Association of Women Entrepreneurs, Tara McHugh. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Each show will feature a special guest interview. Tara will bring you highly successful entrepreneurs sharing their stories of success. You'll hear about the challenges they faced along their journey together with the advice they have to help you achieve more. You'll also hear from various personal and business development experts sharing tips, solutions, and strategies that you can easily implement into your business and life for amazing results. For more on Tara and her show, check out her website, aofwe.com. Then join us for the Women's Business Success Show with your host, the founder of the Association of Women Entrepreneurs, Tara McHugh. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
My guest today is Norma Simpson-Wilt, a veteran public school teacher who taught for 17 years in various states across the nation. Norma is no stranger to the school systems in our country. With her degree in education from Georgetown College and extensive research in the literacy field, she is armed by, alarmed, sorry, by the illiteracy rates in America. Recently, she's been traveling the country holding speaking engagements on subjects including illiteracy and the reformation of the school system. She lives in Cincinnati. Welcome to my show this afternoon, Norma. Thank you. Well, Norma, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, the the fact that you're a public school teacher. Are you a mum as well? Yes, I am. I have two children. Of course, they're mm-hmm. grown and gone. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I took the necessary hours after college to get my degree as, as a special ed, I mean, as a reading specialist. Mm-hmm. And I've just, you know, I've done everything I can, and I wrote the book, and it's just hard to get my ideas across because people have their idea of what's wrong. And, in in um, the school? Yeah, you're talking about the school system? Yeah. Um, um, did you at any time while you were teaching, did you have your children in the same school as you? I did one time, my son, yeah. Yeah. and I was in a little country school, and it was wonderful. They <laughs> they left me alone. It was not supervisors doing things that were not right and uh-huh. I had a lovely time there and my son w- was in a, in the in the school system yes yeah yeah oh, i always i always think that that would be um good while they were younger but maybe they may not enjoy it quite so much as they get older having mom right. as one of the teachers <laughs> <laughs> it was first grade so uh, yeah uh, so of course they love it they love having mom there and you know as, uh, with homeschoolers we um tap into the fact that they really do love having mom around and as they get older as we as we homeschool um for years they you know that doesn't go away they really do um appreciate and enjoy having their their parents there all the time with them and uh you know able to you know i've been thinking about some of the quality time that you might spend with your children and sometimes quality time if you've only got a short amount of time in a day can be really stressful but when you're with them all day long there's a lot of time and so your quality time can be you know sort of unexpected moments, you know, of, of right. bliss right. while you're reading to them, maybe while they're sitting on your laps. Right. So, all right, so you're a reading specialist, and um, do you, spec- um, you know, just, just focus on a certain group like emerging readers, or you are, are you a reading specialist for anyone who struggles with reading no matter how old they are? Right, and my focus is looking at the child we we uh, they, these people come up with all these ideas we're going mm-hmm. to get send teachers back to school a tougher certification hundreds of things there and i always ask them what are you leaving out mm-hmm. you're leaving out the child how does a child learn you're not even mm-hmm. looking at that and mm-hmm. that's why our nation is over half illiterate and really why 75 percent of our youth cannot pass the test to enter the armed services 75 percent can't make it and only one child in three can read proficiently so Uh it's a stress and they're overlooking the child um Mm -hmm. the child is they do not mature or are ready to read at the same age no the neuronal pathways from the ears and eyes to the brain may not be fixed or set Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. when they force them to do this um, th- this makes them feel like failures because they can't do it. They're not mm-hmm. ready. The ones around them that are ready, then they feel like failures. 
Mm-hmm. See, to me, it's not ready. To them, it's I'm I'm dumb. And see, they're yeah. not. Yeah. But we destroy yeah. them before they, you know, they sit that way for five days a week, month after month, and in time, they feel like a failure. Well, you know, um, sending your child to school into kindergarten now, I know in our area, they're expected to be able to read. Oh, by the time they come right. Into, yeah, and, by the time they come into kindergarten. Math. Yeah, because that kindergarten... When their eyes are not ready, the frequent refocusing of the eyes hurts them. In mm-hmm. kindergarten, they're not ready to do these things. So maybe some, a cup, some are, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they're not. And not only that, my, I was talking to my medical doctor, and he he rushed out to tell me that about immaturity. He said, also, the immune system's not mature in some children. And therefore, when you push them and stress them, and it, 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 they're the ones that are sick more. Mm-hmm. And um, also the brain that screams out excess noise when they're in a classroom with a lot of noise, yeah. um, that part that screams it out and lets them work is not mature. No. It, to me, it's all let the children be ready. Then you have a child sitting there not ready, and then the one next to him that is ready is knowing 70% of what's being taught. Mm-hmm. So it's a waste both ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's my message. Okay. And so you've got, you've got these, all of these children with different um, abilities in a classroom. Right. And we're talking probably at the moment about the first classroom they go into, which is kindergarten. And some of them are reading and some of them aren't. And so those that are reading are sitting there. They already know everything. So they're kind of not. They're not like adults that can kind of think about, well, how could I do this in a different way or in a better way? They're just they're just children and, and they already know what's being presented to them. Right. So when a, a child, when there's a group of children in the classroom who really aren't at that ready stage and they're being taught how to read or taught to read, um, does this affect their their reading ability? Is that the beginning of how their reading ability is affected and it sort of goes on through the grades and so they never catch up or can they catch up? Um, it's, it's, it's hard to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't understand. What was the first part of your question? I'm sorry. Well, I, I was it. saying that um, the children who oh, are yes. having... And especially in these classrooms now where the teachers are expecting everybody to be reading. So right. she's really not going to be prepared to take a group of children and spend that first year teaching right. them how to read right. properly, you know, slowly, well, carefully. In my book, I, I, I give you detail by detail of a child mm-hmm. created by this, the mainstreaming system when I put them all together. Mm-hmm. And it, you, you have to just see their faces. And they, they when I... We used to teach, we had three different rooms. The children weren't ready. They were brought to readiness happily, happily. Mm -hmm. They weren't frustrated. Mm -hmm. And when they got ready, then they moved. And back then, we didn't, we never had a non-reader. And then the middle group was a room. And then the third group was children that could move faster. They were ready and they were needed to be, but go at their own pace. Yeah. Well, when they stopped it, um, that's where the trouble started. So everybody I talk to, mostly online, says, well, Norma, that room down the hall is going to be socially laughed at. I said, sir, <laughs> do you think they're hidden in these mainstream classrooms? You just have to watch a child who's not ready, who's in the lowest reading group, walk to the reading group, no one, and looking around to see who's watching mm-hmm. as they work in a reader that everyone else finished months ago. Mm-hmm. It destroys them. and." Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to, to fix it because everybody's got their own ideas. Well, you know, 
um, I have a friend who works in um, a school district here and she's working with juniors. So these are kids who, who you would expect would be able to read and they're not. And she said, this is a new phrase, but it's something that's been going on for years called differentiated instruction within the same classroom, which is the same kind of thing that you're talking about. Right. Okay. They're being mainstream. So they're all in the classroom together, all these abilities. And you've got this one teacher and you've got right. these different groups. And that one teacher over the 40 minute or 45 minute lesson has got to be able to manage all of these groups, plus the groups. No, now they're older. They're juniors, for goodness sake. You're not pulling any wool over their eyes. Right. They know whether there's, you know, which groups they're in. But the re- probably the reason why they don't do three different rooms is because they'd need three different teachers. Well, no, no. Uh, see, we'd have the same number of teachers. It, it's just that... Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Uh-huh. The whole, and, and the then, whole classroom. Okay. It's fluid. If a child yeah. becomes ready, he can move to the, you know... Um, but it's even worse than that, uh, Vivian. Uh, our, I was speaking in one city in a large group, and this lady was sitting there. And when I finished, she said, she raised her hand for a question. She said, how long have you been out of school? And I said, three years. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I'm here to tell you, it's worse now. I'm a college professor. When they come to me, they cannot read very little. They can't write at all. They can't think. Mm-hmm. And she said, they can't spell. And mm-hmm. she said, keep doing what you're doing, but it's bad. Now, th- th- this, and you're paying more for your college education, mm-hmm. and they're teaching remedial courses. She said, I'm teaching remedial courses. Mm-hmm. Now, this is scary to me. It's mm-hmm. my country. I love it. I hate to see this happening. And so you said the administration's answer to this is to send teachers back to school. Well, to that's one of their ideas. More, I beg your pardon? It's one of their ideas. One of their ideas. Okay, that so has nothing to do with the children. See, that's no, my point. Absolutely. So, what what would what would you do? I mean, we have to start right at the very beginning. So, what would you do to help the, this situation? Because my son didn't read till he was nine. How on earth is a public school going to be able to deal with that? Just like I, I, I talk, like we used to do it. And here's the sad part: we had three rooms, and every one of our children read, and most of them went to college. There was no such thing as a non-reader. Mm-hmm. Well, mainstreaming, someone got the bright idea, and they came to us, and we said, oh, please, we're so successful, leave us, so, please. And mm-hmm. they said, we got to do it. Okay, we'll let you have one more year, but then we got to compare you to mm-hmm. the mainstream. I said, fine, mm-hmm. well, that's great. When it was all over, our the group that was not ready surpassed the middle group, mm-hmm. and most of them went to college. Mm-hmm. And that, here's, the, here's the tragedy. We said, look, we've proved it's better our way. Well, no, we got to do it anyway. See, you can't even prove things to these people, these yeah. administrators. Yeah, they've got to. Well, they've got their own bosses who've got their own ideas. And right. a lot of times the administrators aren't in the classrooms. They are not seeing what the teachers are seeing. Well, uh, I, I, <laughs> that gets another thing. The waste of our, your money. Your, yeah. your, the, the money is just incredible. They can set their own salaries, these uh, superintendents and administrators. Yeah. And when they they bring someone in for three years and in one year they prove they're not able, they get a five million dollar buyout. Well, you yeah. get that if you get buyout. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just horrendous where our money's going. And sometimes um, you, you just need to look at some of the perks that these administrators have. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, I know. Well, and I've spoken about this on my show, this this um, vast gap between the administrators and the teachers. And we have to go on a break, but we'll be right back in just a few moments. All right. Okay. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Norma, we were talking about the different classrooms um, for the the um, not quite ready readers and then your middle group and your third group where you had already your fluent readers and um, so what if you've got in one of those in in your, maybe your your first group you're not ready one like my son he, I mean he really wasn't interested in reading until he was nine I don't think it was because he really couldn't read it's because he wanted to do so many other things there are lots of children like that um, so I was able to do I was able to teach him in a different way Yes. Um, you know, I read to him, I took his dictated essays, you know, if he dictated his essay to me, I would take it. And gradually he decided that he wanted to read. So he went to some book, you know, some chapter book that had like 400 pages in it because he just loved that author and he read it, you know, 
he went from one day when not being able to read very well to the next day, all of a sudden, you know, he was interested and he was right. reading. But the school systems don't have that time. I don't even the best private school doesn't have the facility to do that. So what um, what what would, what are you suggesting perhaps in your book to try and close this gap of illiteracy that's going on in our country? Well, if I could take a school and, you know, one school and show them, I would I would have it divided up because here's the secret. Mm-hmm. The hatred of anything begins at the point of frustration. And mm-hmm. when you frustrate a child long enough, you're doing it just damage beyond, I can't even describe it. Mm-hmm. So I would have these, they would be divided where they couldn't see each other and laugh at one another when they're not ready. I would mm-hmm. I have to keep my rooms mm-hmm. and then move them along as, is they were ready and always succeeding. Mm-hmm. I still remember in first grade when I knew a word and I was very shy, the feeling of success when I knew it and I was happy, mm-hmm. but I was sitting there with everybody reading one word at a time. I was in the wrong group. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm going to be able to do this, but I would I would set it up where each child would succeed. Mm-hmm. And your mm-hmm. child would be helped. And I had a system where... They, uh, they would tell me the story, and I would write it. Anything mm-hmm. a child can say, you can write. Mm-hmm. And then we would, uh, it was their story. Mm-hmm. And then they would read it over every day, and then I began to isolate words. And pretty much, I think, what you did. But you you just have to meet the child where he is, mm-hmm. where he's ready, where mm-hmm. he's successful. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how many children you have, you have to do that with each child. Mm-hmm. My classes were always ahead a lot of problems. Uh, they give me some problems, and um, one child was needed special ed, but the parents said no. And I, I worked with him. He, he was not like any of the others, and I worked with him special. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it really makes the teachers' day hard. But yeah. if you're dedicated to your profession, you do it. And he read yeah. by the yeah. end of the year. Yeah, so, wonderful. It's, so it's, you you really, really did see as a teacher in the classroom this battle between what was going on in the classrooms and, you know, the, this this other group of people out there who were, you know, passing down the mandates as to what right. had to happen right. and, and um, you know, classing all the children as same abilities, right. uh, whether they were or not. And um, so, okay, this is frightening, though that so many of our young people come out of school without being able to read, or they might be able to read, but they're not proficient readers. Uh, they might be able to read at maybe a certain grade level. So what is happening? What What's the solution for America? Because obviously there are jobs, there are places where you need that higher level of education. Who are taking? Who's taking these jobs? Who's getting these jobs? Well, you're, you're paying you're, when the... Uh, companies do take them in and they have to train them and teach them, then yeah. you're paying double because you pay for the school system and you're paying mm-hmm. for this because your products are going to go up. But mm-hmm. I, mean, I people ask me, how do you know what a child's feeling? Well, I'm going to tell you in one of my classes in college, they gave us some letters, some figures, some mm-hmm. symbols that mm-hmm. stood for the letters. And then they started putting them together uh, in the same speed that a child who's not ready would get them. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't do it, and I, I was stunned. I mean, the people around me were doing it, and I couldn't get it that quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, come to find out, the control group had the answers, but yeah. they were just showing the rest of us how it felt yeah. to sit there and not be able to do it when others were doing it very well. Yeah. So I've been there. I've gone through that, and I watch it in their faces and their eyes. 
Mm-hmm. But here's the here's the really scary part. The years drag on, and they're a constant failure. And finally, it dawns on them as they get bigger. They are bigger than the others because they've probably failed two grades. Mm-hmm. That now they can now they can do something. They can erase this feeling of inferiority by becoming a bully. Then mm-hmm. they can pick up a gun and become a name. Yeah. That's what Klebold and Harris did at Columbine. They they were able to at last be somebody in their name or something. And this is scary too. Not all, not all, but many. They just many turn to crime or uh, welfare or uh, just. Yeah. It, it's just sad that this is sad. Yeah. Are you seeing this um, across the board, or is it just children in so- certain socioeconomic groups? No, no, across the board. Really? It doesn't matter. I See, that's where I get some flack, too. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're not at a point to read and you need some... See, kindergarten was is not at all what the founder meant it to be. It was a time to build the muscles and... Let the eyes mature and the neuronal pathways to the mind, the eye and the ear mature. It, it wasn't sitting down and doing first, second, third grade work. It just mm-hmm. wasn't. Mm-hmm. And this is where we start off destroying them. Yeah, yeah. So you wrote a book to try and um, wake up the nation, definitely right. wake up the school system. And, right. I mean, we know what it's like when you're trying to work against a system. Right. I mean, the system just steamrollers right over us. Right. But there are going to be some people that listen. And I tell you, homeschoolers are wide open because they agree. They, can, they do not understand why the same mistakes are being made year after year, yet they still keep going, doing the same thing. They won't change anything because they feel that they... Maybe they feel they can't, you know? Oh, they, no, no, no. It's, oh, I, I can't tell you. It's, it's to save their job. It's, and all these people, they want a name. They want to make a name. So they come up with this whole language approach to, to reading. Yeah. Now, they didn't bother to get it right. Just no phonics at all. Well, that's no. not whole language approach. If mm-hmm. you have phonics for three years, then you do to widen it to their experiences. But see... Someone made a name for themselves doing that, and thousands of children were not able to read. I know that I said, ruined how do you I said, "How? Well, wait a minute! Is it no phonics? How, how? How do you do it?" And they said, "Well, we just sit down. We give a piece of paper and a pencil, and, we, and tell them to start writing." I said, mm-hmm. "Writing what?" Mm-hmm. Well, we go around and spell the words for them. I mean, I'm astounded. I, I yeah. at the at the someone made a name for themselves changing that system. Yeah, yeah. And and so, which states have you have you taught in? I know you've you've travelled quite a, quite a bit. So, where have you you well, start? You I, went to college in Georgia, so that's in the south. You're now in Cincinnati, which is sort of further north. Right. So, well, I've given experiences, and I really don't know where I've taught because <laughs> I <laughs> no, that's, that's I, understandable. I do, but, I, I, I do tell them that it's all alike. Wherever I went, I went to one state. I was the keynote speaker, and everybody. Uh, or are we the worst state? And I went to Texas twice. Are we the worst state? I mean, everywhere I went, every state, they're alike. If there's no mm-hmm. one state that's, I mean, they were all alike. They had the same problems, mm-hmm. including my state. Now, in Cincinnati, I tried to get the book notified here. My uh, publisher, they could not because at one point they told me if I take out Chapter 3, they would look at it. Well, mm-hmm. that was administrators. I couldn't take that out. And yeah. then another one said I'd take out attitude. Well, no, no, attitude is 
the heart of the problem, yeah. either for yourself or you for the children in your country. And yeah. so people want me to cut it up. And then yeah. I got in trouble with the uh, Chapter 8, um, the, the Golden Rule. I, I didn't mention the Bible, didn't mention a religion, but every religion has a golden rule. Mm-hmm. And I did that, and my children learned it. And mm-hmm. But everywhere I went, they attacked me for that because, you know, I, I said, wait a minute. Every religion has a golden rule, and um, our children we're a three part they're a three part system, and one part is not fulfilled mm-hmm. they they don't understand that 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 one part is their spirituality, and mm-hmm. therefore they fill it with choking and sniffing glue and rape and mm-hmm. i mean they fill it with something because they don't know why it's empty yeah and uh so I got in a lot of trouble on that one <laughs> so I'm sure. Well, you know what? If you if you're having controversy over your book and people are asking you to do this, do that, you know that you're on the right track. Well, I know that, but I can't I can't get it out to people. They all have their own ideas. Yeah. One man on air said, "It's the parents. It's nothing but the parents. It's not the school system, not the teachers. It's the parents." Well, Mm. well, they're very very important. Nobody's denying that. But once that child walked in my classroom, Mm -hmm. it was up to me to teach him to read in that system to provide the atmosphere and the method by which to do that, and they do not. Mm-hmm. But he's, he his parents are supremely important. I'm not saying that, but then that was just letting everybody else off the hook. It's yeah. not all that. It's, yeah. So I've, I run into every one, one person, a doctor's degree in theology, told me, why are you worried so much about children? So they can't read. They're happy, aren't they? I mean, I've been told such things that I... Oh. I <laughs> You can't believe it. And yeah, that, is, so, that is awful. And so really passing a child through school who really can't read properly and um, understand and comprehend is um, one is a is a large problem as far as, as you see it and turning out these um, poor illiterate children at the end. Um, and the school districts want, need the money so they, they can't. Right. But. You know, I'm just, I, I just, just, I'm baffled as to why they can't see. Don't they think that reading is the most important thing? Because it's the key to everything. Well, I. I they, they just want to move them through. They have something that they want more than that. I mean, they're overlooking the children. And all these, you'll hear a hundred new ideas. They just put a, I mean, I, I tell you, they say, just put a principle in who's not even an educator. They're going to try that new method. Mm -hmm. Um, They all got these ideas. And wouldn't you think they would listen to someone who's been there? And I was, I I taught my children to read no matter what, Mm -hmm. no matter what I had to do. And my ones that were more advanced and able to go on, I I give them projects uh, that wasn't just more work, but things to stretch them. And uh, Mm -hmm. then I dealt with those that weren't ready. And it was, and then people say teachers just have it made. They're off all summer. Well, I'm going to tell you, teaching the way I do, you need it to recoup. So, uh, All right. Well, we're going on a quick break. Do you have time to come back for five more minutes on the other side? Sure. Thank you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose at all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugginet Radio. Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, basilmama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Ministry is filled with both highs and lows, victories and struggles. It can be the best job of the world, but it can also be the hardest. Where do you find the balance between serving God and the joy of truly knowing Him? Wellspring, Tending the Heart of Ministry with Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central. Join us each week as pastor's wife, best-selling author, and host Joanna Weaver interviews women who serve God from the heart, both those who are well-known and those who minister in less visible ways. You'll discover tools for the ministry, but more importantly, you'll learn how to give God access to the deep places in your heart. For ministry is more than what we just do in public. It is who we are in private. Wellspring is here to inspire you to look into your heart of hearts and invest in the place ministry truly begins. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So join us for an hour that just might change your life. It's Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with host Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Norma, I know a lot of teachers have their own um, relationship with homeschoolers, whether it's, you know, sort of approving or not. And um, could you tell us a little bit about how you now feel um, about the homeschooling community? The best thing I can tell you is that I thoroughly understand it. I thoroughly understand why a parent would want to do this. Mm -hmm. And hopefully if, and and I'm sure there are, more tuned to their children and know when they're ready and that they yeah. won't push them and yeah. they'll be able to move as they success success yeah. is all of it that's the right. child succeeds in one, as you succeed in something don't you feel great and yeah. can move on to the next thing and this is the same yeah. way with our children yeah and not making comparisons i mean that's one of oh. the main things we're we're taught not oh, yes. to do don't compare yourself to anybody else well children right. are not mature enough to know not to do that they just do it naturally right right and the names and now they're See, without the golden rule, which I was teaching without, you know, getting into religion, um, they don't know how to treat the person sitting next to them. And we used to teach that. And I was on one television program, and the person told me that there was no way we ever... I said, yes, you were. You're in my age group. And we were taught how to treat the other person. We had Aesop's fables that told us to think before we act and all these things. And now everybody just road rage... um, yeah. Anger, calling people names, putting them down. Yeah, I thoroughly understand homeschooling. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I have I have a guest who comes on, Betty Hoffner, and she um, she goes into schools talking about bullying, and 
um, she encourages the children to uh, to experience empathy. You know, she for everything. You know, different coloured hair, different coloured skin. You know, she she points all of that out and says you can't judge each other. Everybody is right. unique, and you know the person that's bullying you is going through their own problems. So you right. know, and you know she she is able to go in and, and do that in the schools. So. Good. You know, there Good. are there are um, that there's, there are movements out there, but it's not nationwide and definitely not in in the system. So you have your book. Tell us what your book is called. It's dumb title. I, I don't know how to put it. It's the system redesigned uh-huh. this time for children yeah. and taxpayers, of course, and, and taxpayers. But and, it's not designed for children. It's designed for adults, the administrators, mm-hmm. the parents, the parents that won't let me. Um, work with their children uh take you know it's just it's just not designed for children at all no no and uh, um so tell me where we can buy that uh it's uh it, it's uh, uh, oh my goodness i forgot barnes and noble for one yeah and so amazon, any any bookshop can get it for you if we order it and are you on right. amazon i would imagine right amazon.com okay. and uh barnes and noble uh-huh. and um there's just there's a lot in it for homeschooling parents because mm-hmm. they too can see how children you know yeah. need to be taught and how yeah. to succeed. It's, it's all about the children and what they need. Yeah. And uh, and my my philosophy, if you want that, <laughs> is that one philosopher said that we invent ourselves by the multitude of our choices. And Vivian, I believe with all my heart that beyond biological factors. Children are the sum total of adult choices. Mm-hmm. What adults live in place before them can decide their morality and their character, and, mm-hmm. and how they treat them in the home decides their mental well-being and their mm-hmm. emotional stability. And here's the big one. What adults decide regarding education makes our children either readers or illiterate or nearly illiterate members of a society in which they're not going to be able to operate beyond a mere existence. Yeah. And we, we need... I, I, I don't have to do any more. I don't, if you have any ideas, um, and I wish all your homeschoolers, parents, well. Yeah, They're, thank you. And I will, I will um, think about that and share some ideas, um, hopefully, with you, because I know that you, there's a huge amount of support out there uh, from the homeschooling community and you know we, we don't we do not actually as a group bash the public schools because oh, otherwise then you know it becomes a little bit of a judgment um call but we do fully we fully understand how difficult some of some of the situations are for the teachers right. but i really think it's it's about something needs to be done because we all pay taxes um norma regardless yeah. whether we homeschool our children or send them to school so we're all paying those school taxes so you know we all should be concerned well, I was in one state, and they told me that they were so upset. I said, they said, look at our finances. We give our superintendent, uh, we pay for his membership in the area country club. And I said, oh, no, no, you, you surely don't mean that. Yeah, <laughs> they, said, yeah. Yeah. they showed it to me on the flip. I mean, you just don't know what all you're paying for. No, and no. So. Well, 
Norma, we've come to the end of our time together. Thank you so much for joining me. I've been talking to Norma Simpson-Wilt about her book, The System Redesigned, This Time for Children and Taxpayers, taking an inside look at illiteracy in our children and how it's affecting the future of America. Norma, it has been an absolute delight to talk to you today, and I wish you every success in your endeavor to get all children reading again, starting at home, hopefully. Thank you for having me. All right. And I wish you well in your work. It's a very important one. Thank you very much. You have a great weekend. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Well, that was interesting, I can tell you. And I have always enjoyed spending, you know, time with my children. I found it to be a lifestyle homeschooling that continues way beyond their formative years and before I homeschooled in the days when all of my children went either to school or to glory as their babysitter I thought that having family time meant spending quality time with my children when my job allowed the small amount of time I was with them had to count as I said earlier talking to Norma so I would read them a book at bedtime I'd sing a song with them in the car on the way to school or I'd watch a movie with them in the weekend letting them share my lap or I would snuggle with them for a few minutes after bath time before I was dashing off to a meeting or I'd just drop them off at a birthday party. These precious moments of quality time went reasonably well as no, as long as no one, including myself, was ill or tired or crabby or jealous of other siblings or workmates or had had a bad day. The scheduled quality time could just as easily be spent pouting or in time out in tears or angry. Sometimes it was touch and go. And you know exactly what I'm saying. And then when I started homeschooling, I realized just how much time I had not spent with my children. I found I was spending quantity time, which sometimes turned into quality time and sometimes not. I quickly discovered that the latter quality time was spontaneous, surprising, unscheduled, unexpected. I also grew closer to my children. We rebuilt the relationships we'd lost to the time at school, participating in extracurricular activities and doing mountains of homework. And there were times early on when I felt like a single parent while my husband had a job that demanded extensive and prolonged periods of travel away from home. And after several consecutive weeks in this state of being a single mom and being dad as well, I really began to feel as though I was going it alone. But of course, I had a steady income, which helped me feel financially secure. And I had the daily phone calls, which also helped me feel supported. But I didn't have the warm and fuzzy feeling of knowing half the parental unit was going to walk through the front door any minute and relieve me every day. So how do single parents homeschool We heard Stephen Horwich's story last week, which was impressive, and I knew a single mum who homeschooled her children while I was in the same sort of boat. She taught piano lessons and art to support her family, and when her children got older, they also taught to augment their income. And I wondered, how does she do it? In my ignorance, I presume she had money from her late husband's estate or a good life insurance policy. I assumed that she was a widow. According to a survey Mike Donnelly of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association um, that he conducted, widows represented only 8 to 10% of single parents who homeschool. Other single parents fall into the categories of divorced or single, each with their own set of challenges. Some single parents live on less than $25,000 a year, and they all have to manage the demands of providing for, for and protecting and educating their families. They are 
in Mike Donnelly's words, walking miracles. They tutor, they work from home and find weekend and nighttime jobs that can accommodate the daytime schedule of the homeschooler. Some have supportive family, flexible jobs and ministering churches. Some don't. I know how difficult it is to balance a job and a family. So for a single parent, the incentive to keep their children out of the public and private school systems must be very strong. However, we homeschoolers have a lifestyle um, that keeps going and going and going, even after everybody has left home. And um, it comes down to dedication as well. There's no back and forth from public to private to home for me, although Suki Wesling a couple of weeks back said that every year she did give her son the option of going back to school and he would just look at her and say, are you kidding, mom? That wasn't my bag. There was no question of returning to public school once we pulled out and I can truthfully say there was never a day once the first historic day passed when I wished I could send them all packing. Our lives lived together was now was how we wanted to be a family, how we wanted to grow and thrive and get to know one another. It was flexible and stable, dedicated and eclectic, and it grew us into the people we are today. So homeschooling does lots of things for the family. So if you're thinking about homeschooling, you can um, continue listening to my show or you can even um, contact me through my page and uh, we can talk. And for me, homeschooling truly is living out Reinald Niebuhr's a little serenity prayer, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting the hardships as the pathway to peace. And it looks as though I have come to the end of another show and I need to run and enjoy all the things that I've got planned for this weekend. I've got dinner club for starters on Saturday. We're off to Belgium this time with lots of chocolate and waffles. A visit to the hairdresser to banish the last of the blue, I hope. A couple's wedding shower on Sunday, not at my house. Yoo-hoo. Still the merry little socialite. That's me. I'll be back with another breathless show for you. Same time, same place next week. And without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Tokenet Radio, my guest this week, Norma Simpson-Wilt, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Rosemary, and everybody else in my growing audience. Don't forget to listen to Ali Laprit on Mondays at 7 p.m. and Sandy Fowler at 1 o'clock also on Monday, or just stay tuned to Tokenet and listen to all the shows. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Number six, verses 24 to 26. And that's me for the week. And if actually I do have Norma Wilt's book linked on my website there at Toginet, it's called um, The System Redesigned, this time for children. It's really a good read. Doop, 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 doop. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney 